we have the opportunity to meet up again and again and again, really. Because we don't know the days and the times ahead of us. So every time when we have that opportunity to meet, let's seize the, the moment. Amen? Amen? Come and worship the Lord as, as hard as you can in the fellowship of the, of the saints together. Um, and as the Lord continues to do His great work in and through this church as well. Amen? Amen. All right. This evening... Okay, Ken, thank you. I, okay. Oh, at least it's clean. That day was so dusty. Okay. This evening, I want to share something, um, something else that the Lord has also been, been bringing me back over and over this particular scripture. All right, can you... T I don't have it on my slide today, but I want you to turn to your Bibles to it because it's a fairly long scripture. Yeah, those of you who have your Bibles in your electronic Bible or whether it's your hard copy Bible, John chapter 4, verse 1 to 26. John chapter 4, verse 1 to 26. And you have it, say, got it. Okay, only one person has it. Very good. And he is using the, the Bible, the hard copy Bible, and he's got it. Those of you with the electronic Bible, shame on you. <laughs> Supposed to be faster than that. <laughs> Lagging, ah. Right, yo. Change phone, change phone. Okay, has everybody gotten the scripture? John chapter 4, verse 1 to 26. Got it? Got it? Alright, let's read this together. I'm going to read from the NLT, but everybody just read the scriptures together with me. One, two, three. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Okay, wait, take note, huh? Where did he go? So he left Judea and returned to... Okay, let's carry on. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field of Jacob, gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he has and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. 
for you had had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while the Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Wow. Father, bless the reading of your word. Bless your word, Father, that it will speak life, speak truth to each and every one of us. So God, and challenge our hearts, God, to... to uh, understand your word and do your word as you have as you have exemplified for us, O oh God, even through this passage of scripture. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I had the opportunity to visit Jacob's Well about two years ago. Can we have the picture up? <laughs> That's actually Jacob's Well. Yeah, it is uh, in Samaria, and um, and the building on the left that you see is um, is called the Church of Saint Fortina, Saint Fortina. Okay, it's a Greek Orthodox church. So everywhere, if you go, if you have the opportunity to visit Jerusalem one day, the Holy Land one day, it's uh, very interesting. Everywhere that has been like a, a historical site, right? They build a church over it. Even. Yeah. They have a church over, you know where? Apparently at the Sea of Galilee when Jesus called his disciples to come and eat breakfast with him. Yeah, so they have a stone there and they have built a church over it. Okay, then where it's supposed to be Bethlehem where the nativity scene and you know where, where the manger was, was, um, was, was placed, was when Jesus was born in the manger, right? They have a church over it. And then anywhere, basically, you know, so now this Jacob's well, is, there's a church over it as well. So to go to access, to look at this well, you actually have to walk through the church all the way to the end where the stage is, or I can't remember, some, something like that. It's, it's those Greek Orthodox churches, right? So very beautiful with all the stained glass and all. And you have to go down the stairs. Go down the stairs, go down, and suddenly you find a well there. It's like, eh? And the well is still functional. There's still fresh water flowing inside the well. So it was very interesting. And uh, it, you, you actually can put the bucket down and then take out, and then we actually drank the water from the well. So I'm like, so beautiful now because I drank the living water. No, so nice. So Jacob's well. Yeah. <laughs> just joking, just joking. So when the Lord brought me to this passage of Scripture, right, it, it was very, very interesting because I've read it many, many times. And he kept on saying, read it, read it, and read it. Then I'm like, I'm reading it, I cannot get it, I'm reading it, and, and I'm reading it, and I've gone through, like I said, I've, I've, I, it's, 
I understood, yeah, this whole, this whole thing that has been going on and, uh, and, and Jesus dead, was there next to Jacob's well, the woman at the well, you know, and I've heard sermons about it. And in fact, I thought, I really thought that, I said, okay, God, I know, I know, I know. I know what you want me to preach on. I know you want me to preach on how deep the well is and how deep we, our relationship needs to be with you. And I was trying to form this message already, you know, about how deep your rope needs to be to go deeper with the Lord. How, and, and, and because the well is so deep, you know, so I was trying to formulate this, this message. But it cannot work. It cannot come out. So I'm thinking, why? What like this? And then suddenly, after reading it over and over and meditating and, and understanding the background, suddenly, 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 something happened. I went, oh, I get it. Now I get it. <sighs> because the Word of God is just so amazing. Really, one. Please read the Word of God. Really, one. I said in, in, in two weeks ago when I preached, I said the only thing you can hold on to really is His Word. And His Word is so, so powerful. You know, Bridget, I was very, very encouraged with your post. And you put that, you know, she's been reading the, the daily Bible, the daily, you know, as uh, our rich, what you might call it, journal. Inside, it has all the scriptures and, they, and they've been progressing and it's supposed to help you finish the whole Bible in a year. And she posted, she said, you know, she loves the journal and how she can write little notes in it every day as she reads and she's meditating upon the Word of God. And you know, I, was, I was very, very encouraged. Really very, very encouraged. And you know, every single one of us read the Word of God because the Word of God comes alive. This story is not a story that is unfamiliar to us, right? We've all heard this story, we've read this story, we, we've heard sermons about this story. And again, same, similar to me, I've, done, I've heard it too. But then I realised, I've never realised this particular part of the scripture. And it suddenly clicked. It says, the first thing I want to share, some thoughts here of this scripture. The first thing is, Jesus said he had to go. He had to go. Hmm. Look at verse 4. Remember, I asked us to pause at verse 3 just now. I said, Jesus went from, he traveled from where to where? Judea to, to Galilee, right? So he left from Judea to go to Galilee. Now, I never, I, I never saw this part. In verse 4, it says, he had to go to Samaria. Why does he have to go to Samaria? Let me, let me explain this. Look at the map. I don't know whether you can see or not. Can, right? Judea is at the bottom. Can you see? Judea is on the south side. And then Galilee is on top. They're both the same color one. Yeah? Judea at the bottom. Galilee is on top. And what is in the middle? Samaria. The blue part there is Samaria. Okay? So which means, right, it's only normal... If you want to travel from Judea to Galilee or from Galilee to Judea, you will pass through Samaria, right? So it really actually is a no-brainer. He had to go through Samaria, right? It's, it's a normal thing. Why? Why would he have to go through Samaria? Because he's going from Judea to Galilee and he's traveling that way. That's what I thought. But that's where I got it all wrong. Samaria was considered to be a place where the Jews felt that the Samaritans were unclean. The Jews felt that to pass even anywhere near them was defiling themselves. 
So when every, every time any Jew were to travel from Judea to Galilee or from Galilee to Judea, they would try the hardest to avoid Samaria. They would go around Samaria to take the longer route to get to Galilee. They would go past towards the site there, which is Jordan River. They would walk around Samaria to get to either Galilee or get back to Judea. So it wasn't a normal thing for Jews to travel through Samaria. But Jesus had to go through Samaria. Wow. I thought to myself, wow, that is a very interesting word. The word, the word had to in the Greek is ide, E-D-E-I, which actually literally means it was necessary for him to go to Samaria. It was necessary for him to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. It was, in NIV, it says that he had to go through Samaria. Very interesting. The Jews would go out of their way, really, to avoid any, and, and, um, all the Samaritans because they considered the Samaritans' blood unclean. The Samaritans intermarried with the Assyrians. Okay? So that's a little bit background of the background of the Samaritans. They intermarried with the Assyrians and there was adultery was rampant. In Samaria. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? The Good Samaritan was pointed out, Jesus pointed out this particular scripture to say that this was the most unlikely person who should be helping a Jew. He was the most unlikely person to, to be helpful because everybody thought that they are the, the bad ones, they are the sinful ones, they are the default ones. But yet, it was pointed out, it was a Good Samaritan, it was a Samaritan who helped the man who was robbed, correct? Why do you think this woman was so surprised when Jesus actually stopped there to talk to her? She was so surprised to actually have, that she said in verse 9, the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. Jesus said, she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking for a drink? It was not a normal thing for a Jew to speak to a Samaritan. Refuse to have anything to do with a Samaritan actually literally means the Jew had no use for the Samaritans. The Jews had no use for the Samaritan. Now this makes me worried. I worry for a church that has no use for the lost. I worry for a church that has no use for people who are different from them in race, in colour or in state, social status. I worry for a church that is avoiding problems instead of being right there with them. For a church that would avoid sinners at all costs because we feel that we are too holy to be around them. There is no such thing as religious superiority. There is no such thing as religious superiority. Just because you're a Christian, I'm more superior than you. I, because I know the way, the truth, and the life. You don't. We are all simply saved by grace. Amen? 
sinners saved by grace. But Jesus had to go through Samaria for this woman. To me, Jesus always, Jesus always does this. He always challenges the conventional. He always challenges the mindset of that time. He always challenges us to think out of the box. Today, if Jesus were to walk here, it's among us. I wonder where he would be walking. Would it be the places that you and I rather not go and touch? It would be the very people whom we are looking up looking at with frowns on our faces. And Jesus would purposely go and talk to them. Would that be that group of people? It's the church. Has the church become a place where we just talk about people, talk about situations, talk about sinners? From afar, we look at them and like, okay, let's try our best not to get, avoid them, to try our best to avoid them and, and not have too much to do with them because we're so scared, you know, that they will influence us. The Samaritan woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with them. Could it be that drug addict, the person struggling with identity or a certain sin, the woman who is sleeping around perhaps and you know about it and then you'd rather not talk to them because you don't want to, you don't want to ruffle any feathers or bring it all up. You try your best to avoid them. No wonder so many people shun the church. No wonder so many people don't want to walk into church because they feel the church is a place where the moment they come in here, people look at them like, cannot, cannot, we cannot accept them. No wonder people find it so difficult to say that, yeah, there is a real God because so what? They practice, they say, they, they preach so much about love but they don't practice love at all. There are many people out there who really want to be accepted. It was necessary for Jesus to go there. I pray, I, it is really my prayer that this year, that God will, will shake some of you up, that you have to speak to somebody. That person whom everybody else in the office is not talking to. I pray that God will challenge you to purposely stay back for lunch or ask this person out for lunch and you won't be rested until it happens. You will have restless nights until you actually make that phone call to say, can I go for lunch with you? Would you like to have lunch? Do you know what? I think they will be surprised. You, you, you would want to talk to me? It's very quiet here. I'm very scared. You know, where God has placed you is not just for you to, to thrive in your career and into God placed you there for this season for a purpose far greater than what you understand. 
And I really, I really want to challenge you <laughs> that God will make you, make you to the point where you have to, you have no choice but to make that call, but to really say, nobody like, also nobody like, like everybody laugh at me, also laugh, like, never mind, I will still call, I will still go out, I will still do that, I will still, I will still spend that time, I will still uh, stay and, and, and be around for this person while nobody else wants to be there for him or for her. Because Jesus had to go there for this one person. Let's not be a church that has become so desensitized to the needs of the people. Instead of walking with them, we try to avoid them. Let's not go around them. Let's not judge sinners and condemn them from afar. Stay away from them. Instead of being the hands and feet of Jesus, God wants us to be there for them. Someone shared something with me just recently and, and I was very disturbed because she told me that she stood by someone who went through a divorce. Okay? She stood by someone who went through a divorce because her husband cheated on her several times. So she couldn't take it anymore and she, she had a divorce. And this lady stood by her to say that, no, I'm here, I'm going to journey with you. And guess who was condemning her for doing that? The church. There were several church people who actually said, how can you stand by her? By doing so, you are saying that you are compromising on your stand on the sanctity of marriage. Utter nonsense, I say. When Jesus sat there to talk with the woman who had five husbands and living with one who is not even a husband, was Jesus compromising his stand on adultery? Was Jesus compromising his stand on sin? Was Jesus compromising his stand on, on being, being married to one man and being faithful to one man? He wasn't. He was there because this woman needed to know there is a God that loves her and that she needs to find that love in a God, in, in, in the living water, not just through the, the, the different people that she's with. He wasn't there to discuss the sin with her. He wasn't there to say that, oh, you had one, one not enough, two. Uh. We had three? Oh my goodness, how long was the third one? Four years, is it? Oh, you're okay, okay. And then the fifth one? Oh, oh. Five months only. He wasn't there to discuss the sin with her. What have we become? Are we really ready for sinners to walk into the church? Is this place a welcoming place for people who have yet to believe Jesus Christ? Instead, we have people emailing or telling different pastors and leaders, oh, yo, this person, I wear like that, you know, in church. Are you that one now? My goodness, before and after service, I saw that person smoking, you know. Why are we even surprised that sinners behave like sinners? Why are we even surprised that pre-believers behave like pre-believers? They are pre-believers, lah. They are still in the process of being changed from glory to glory, and they are still in the process of getting to know the Lord in their lives. Why? And we get that kind of emails. I'm so glad there is something called the delete button. In our phones, you know, delete. Because the church exists for people like the woman at the well. 
they need to hear the love of God. And if they were to walk in here, I pray that this church would be ready for that. I pray that everyone here will be accepting and will have, will not judge one another for, you're talking to the prostitute. Oh, you're talking to the one. I heard, I heard, no, she's actually having an affair. When... Let's be a church where we will be compelled and say, God, shake me until I had, Jesus had to go. It was necessary for him to go. It was necessary for us to reach out. It was necessary for us to be there for that person. It was necessary. Why was it necessary? Because secondly, she, he knew that this person had a need. He had a, she had a need. He knew the need. He knew this lady had a need. Can we can you, can you switch the slide, you know? Yeah. He knew the need. Sometimes God just makes us walk that road. Even Jesus himself, he walked that road until he was tired. He walked that road until it was, he had to rest beside the well. You know, he's so tired already. Sometimes you do this and you realize that, oh, it's so tiring. It's so tiring, you know, because... They don't meet anybody, nobody wants to talk to you. So it's like, so silly, right? You keep on, you keep on trying and trying, but people are not responding to you. He walked, but Jesus is so tired. I cannot. I, I. The Bible actually says he was tired and he was weary. He went to a place called Sika. Of all places, do you know Sika means what? Means drunken. Means drunken. The place actually means, yeah, drunken. You know, everybody tries to avoid all these places, right? You know, you cannot, because it's like all so defiled, you know, cannot, cannot, cannot. But Jesus landed at the place called Drunken. I'm not asking us, please don't get me wrong, don't misquote me. Don't say, yeah, Jesus, yeah, Pastor Greg asked me to go to the pub now, you know. You know, I, I should be going to the places lah, where all the sinners are, you know, right? Because, because Samaria, Samaria is where all the sinners are, right? So, all right, lah, tonight lah, it's the night I go to the bar and the pub lah. If the Lord would ask you to do it, and if you know you are strong enough to do it, why not? To go in there and to speak to a friend there. Okay, I'm challenging some mindsets here. Don't get religious on me. Because the time is short. Let me tell you, friends. The time is short. The Lord is coming back soon. You need to reach out. You need to do whatever it takes. Not compromising in your faith. You stand your faith, stand your grounds, keep your principles, keep the word of God in your heart. But be there for that person. He knew the need of this woman. The reality is there are many people who are looking for answers and have deep voids in their life. This woman was so ready to have her thirst quenched. There are lots of people out there who are tired of the routine, going through the motions because she said, you know, if you have an answer, please give me, give me this, give me this uh, water so that I don't have to come back over and over and over again to this well. There are a lot of people who are tired of the routines, tired of what they have to do, tired of the, the, the responsibilities they have. It's the same thing over and over again. A lot of people are asking, is there more to this life? Is there a purpose to this life? And they want, they want an answer. She had a need. She had a deep need. Jesus replied to her in verse 
15. Oh, sorry, she said, please, sir, give me this water, then I'll never go thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Guess what? She had a problem, problem and a need that you and I have an al- that, and, and a need, and you and I have the alternative. This woman had five husbands, and now the man that she's living with is not even her husband. Wow. She had five husbands, she, have, she has had. She has had five husbands. And the woman she is with now, is currently with now, is not even the husband. Fuyo. King You think you spoke to some pre-believers? This one is a wow, champion. Can you imagine when she goes around and tells people, hey, 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 I met a man, you know, at the well, and they have, all the, the community will be like, yeah, right. What's new? You met a man? <laughs> sure. No, 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 no. It's not that kind of man. No. That, that's what, what it is. Because she is a man, woman. Everybody knew about her problems. You think you think can be secret, man? Everybody knew she had five husbands. She probably like, wow, this one, another man coming out of the house. Huh? Another one, another man coming out of the house. Hey, how come another one now? After two years, different man already. Different husband. Fala Sam got moustache one now no more already. So, it tells me this, that many people are actually looking for love in all the wrong places. She had five husbands and the one that she's with is not even the husband. She's looking for love in all the wrong places. Some of us here are still struggling. And we ourselves are still looking for that love and the acceptance in the wrong places. Let's not talk about this woman as if she's the ultimate sinner. In fact, we ourselves, a lot of times, we are still looking for that, for that significance through education, through whatever it may be, through, through position, power, through, through authority, through whatever it means. Looking for love and looking for the acceptance in all the wrong places. This woman had that issue. And, she, and Jesus knew that this woman's issue was deeper than just the man after man after man. Because he recognized that she was empty inside. She needed a saviour and how, how, how we needed that saviour as well. And I'm so glad that when I, when I was lost, when I was backslided, when I was not worthy, Jesus didn't avoid me. <laughs> he didn't go around me and say, oh yeah, he's going again. He came right for me. Some of us here, we need to come right. The Lord has never shunned us. We may go through different, difficult seasons in our lives. We may go through different times where we, we feel that we, that void is still there. Come back to the Lord. He's right there. He doesn't shun us. He doesn't go around us and say, excuse please, you know, Yao Haileya. Haven't I seen you in the altar over and over again? He doesn't go around us. Neither should we go around those who need the Lord. Neither should we go around those who are in need of the mercy of the Lord. 
The great ruler Napoleon was known for as to be a hard man. You know Napoleon? He's known to be a very, very hard man. So one day, this man, this young man, was actually caught for stealing in his, in his castle, right? Um, twice, right? So brought him in front and, and he was to be punished. Justice was to be served and justice was death, okay? So you sin, you do bad, you do wrong, it's death straight away. Now the woman, the, the man's, this young man's mother found out about it and, he, and she somehow got into the presence of Napoleon and went on her knees to beg for, for mercy for the son. He said, please, please sir, please, you know, spare my son. Spare my son. He was only hungry. He was only trying to make ends meet. Then Napoleon very angrily said, hmm, no, he has stolen not once but twice from my courts and justice must be served and justice is death. So this woman begged again, please, Lord, please, sir, please. You know, I'm not asking for justice. I'm asking for mercy. Napoleon proudly looks at this woman with his nose high and says, he deserves no mercy. And this woman cries out and says, if he deserves it, it's not mercy. If he deserves it, it's not mercy. Many of us didn't deserve the mercies of God. We didn't deserve it. Many people out there don't deserve God to save them. You, we feel, and we can stand as judge as well. Say, this one, you had an affair. This one, drug addict, over and over again. Rehab center after rehab center, no use. This one, we, we judge them. But you know what? If they deserved mercy, it won't be mercy. We know John 3.16 very well. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But John 3.17 is just as important. Because John 3.17 says this, Jesus came not to condemn, came to the world not to condemn the world, but through Him bring salvation. He didn't come to condemn the world. That's why He could sit with this woman. That's why He could talk to her. That's why He was able to, to just share with her. While when the disciples actually came back and looked, they were surprised. Why would Jesus be talking to a sinner? Because He, would, he didn't come to condemn her. He didn't come to condemn any one of us. We all had needs. Once upon a time, you and I did not come to church on time. Once upon a time, you and I did not feel the presence of God when the worship started. Once upon a time, we didn't have that relationship with God that was so deep and that, you know, you would serve Him, you would come to church on Saturday and on Sunday. We were all there once. People have needs around us. You know, this reach theme, reach, not rich, this reach theme 
It's not just a thrust that, that you and I, it's something that, oh yeah, this year we have to be very conscious of reaching people, very conscious of reaching people. It's something that is because you and I recognize the grace of God over our lives and you and I have recognized that we were once a person in need as well. And as a result of that, you recognizing that, you recognize the grace of God over your life, you say that, God, who else needs this? Someone else needs to hear this. Someone else needs to understand that there is a God that loves them. And finally, he knew he was the answer. Jesus is the answer. He is the answer. The woman came to the well because she was thirsty. Wow. Listen to this. You've got to write this down if you're writing notes. Jesus came to the well. Jesus pula. The woman came to the well because she was thirsty. But Jesus came to the well because he was living water. The woman came to the well because she was thirsty, but Jesus went to the well because he was living water. He had something to offer this woman. She was looking for solutions for the supernatural in a natural source. She thought the natural waters could satisfy her innate need. I want you to understand that Jesus asked for a cup of natural water, but he was going to offer her living water. He asked for something that is so small, but he was going to offer her something that was so great. My friends, this is a God you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. He asked for something that is so small, a cup of water, but he was going to give her the living water. You give the natural thing. You give a natural thing and God will give you a supernatural thing. He said, you give me your limitations and I will give you unlimited resources. He said, you give me your struggles and I will give you your breakthroughs. Amen. He said, you give me your, or all your, your praises and I will give you my presence. Wow. Give him your praises and he will give you his presence. What is a praise? Everybody can clap hands. Everybody has a voice, has a voice to worship the Lord, right? But in return, He gives you His presence. That's how amazing this God is. That's how amazing this solution is. And you and I need to understand, you have the answers to, you have that answer within you. You have that answer to reach out to someone because that's what they need to hear. That there is a God that has a solution for them that they have nothing to offer. Just like us, we have nothing to offer. But God can do so much more when you just offer up your broken lives, broken hearts to Him. He gave, she came to look for physical satisfaction. He gave her emotional and spiritual satisfaction that would change her life forever. We had so little to offer, but yet he gave us over eternal life. We came with brokenness, he gave us eternal life. We came with, with sadness, he gave us joy overflowing. He came to tell the woman, I've got what you need. Many times, what we want is not what we need, right? What we want is not what we need. This woman had man after man after man. But it wasn't the man, it wasn't this man that she needed. She needed the man. That's it. She needed the man, which was Jesus Christ himself. It wasn't the man after man because the man after man after man only left her dry. But Jesus came to give her life, living water that will give her eternal life. 
This world needs Jesus. The enemy, I'm telling you, the enemy wants the church to be silent. The enemy wants, you know, there's never been a time where it's become so apparent that the enemy has strategized so specifically that the church and the influence of the gospel be dull and muddled. There has never been a time where he has strategically placed us in a, in a time where everything seems to be a grey line. You know, abortion, you cannot condemn, I cannot condemn, you cannot say anything because it's like as if we are condemning, but should church never do anything or so, you know? Of course, some people have, have voiced out and things like that, but the church exists to love these people who are in need of a saviour. Instead of condemning the sin, instead of condemning the issues that are going on, Let's listen to the stories of these people. Does that mean I'm compromising on the faith, on the sanctity of life? No. I value every life. And I recognize that there is life the moment there is conception. I do. But there is a world that is looking for answers. And the church has been silenced and somehow, somehow, the, the enemy, to a certain extent, even managed to flip the, the coins around that we've become ashamed of the gospel. We've become ashamed of the gospel. We've become ashamed to, 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 to share about that there is really a love of God. We've become ashamed. We've become so like, you know, cannot really say it out like this, you know, and then we cannot even be friends with these people because, you know, the people like, like how that poor woman who just because she's walking and journeying with a divorcee, she's now being condemned for, for a seemingly, you know, uh, condoning divorce. I'm like, what? Come on. We have the answers and it's in, it's in the Lord. It's in the gospel of salvation. And he is, he is there. He wants us to be, you know, Paul, you know, Paul knows this much better than any one of us. In Romans chapter 1 verse 6, he says this, For I am not ashamed. He wrote to the Rome. He wrote to Rome. And Rome is the capital, the sin capital, yeah? The sin capital. Okay, so when he wrote the Romans, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God to salvation for all who believe. Amen. And this is a time where we cannot be ashamed of the gospel. We cannot be ashamed of holiness. We cannot be ashamed of, of loving people. We cannot be ashamed of making our stand in certain things. And yet, having them understand that we still love them and we want to journey with them. I pray that there will be a generation of people who really understand that you have the answers. You have the answers. The living water lives within you. You have the answers. You are right there in your community. You are right there with your people, your friends, your colleagues, your, your, your campus friends, your, your uni friends. You're right there. You're right there with your marketplace people. I'm talking about in the Pasar. When you go to your market, when you go and do your morning groceries or whatever it is, you are right there. You know the auntie who sells the fish, the aunt, uncle who sells the chicken. You are right there in the community. You have the answers that many people are looking for.
But many times, the enemy has caused us to be ashamed, has somehow, somehow succeeded in, in us being ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to salvation. I want to see, I want you to see something that's very, very important here. Jesus only spoke to one woman when he went to this place in Samaria, right? He only spoke to one person. It seems like the impact was so so, Nila, only one person. If I have lunch with this person who nobody likes, right? What, what difference will it make? No, no difference. What difference would it make? I changed one person, okay, this person accepted Jesus Christ, okay, very good. Now maybe she won't, she won't go around hurting herself and hurting others anymore, okay? But let me tell you this, there is a greater effect than what you see, what, what you see uh, before you. Because if you scroll down to verse 32, if you scroll down to verse 32 to 41, it says this, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I did. Do you remember? I said, he, She actually went to, to the town and she said, I met this man. And then I'm sure everybody is like, mm, Right, another one, another prospect, you know. No, 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 listen. This man told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay. The Samaritans begged him to stay in their village and he actually stayed there for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Because of one woman. Because of one woman who recognized that Jesus had come to her and gave her an alternative and gave her a solution to a thirst that was... She were, that, that could not be quenched by having man after man after man, by having relationship after relationship after relationship. Because of this one woman, many of the Samaritans believed. It only takes one. It takes one. And this is my challenge for you this weekend. And for your for the year ahead, perhaps. That God would help you to do that, reach out to that one person. Especially if that person is the hardest person to reach. This woman, remember? Five women, five men, and one, 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 five husbands and one man. Who is, everybody knew she's famous already. When. So hard to reach her. Impossible. She will never believe. But the moment she changed, many others believed. One person. I want to pray that you will be so disturbed, like I said, have restless nights until God, until you actually make those calls. Until you actually make, make this effort and then you say, I had to go. I had to have lunch. I had to be with this person. I had to speak to this person. I had to. Not because the church asks you to. Not because this is just a thrust, you know, like, oh, you come on, everybody, reach one person, please bring somebody to church. No, no, no. It's you had to because the Lord is leading you to it. You had to. And because you did that, you'll never know how many more will be impacted through that one life.
one life. He's the answer to the world's issues. Everyone who needs, everyone, the hardest person whom we thought would never come to know the Lord is still possible. Even your neighbor who throws rubbish across your, your wall to your house, whom you thought cannot lie, cannot lie, how to love this person? <laughs> Why you laugh? <laughs> Even when you don't like them, Jesus can still save them. Amen? <laughs> that this Chinese New Year, when you travel back, you will make this an opportunity as well. That cousin, that relative, that everybody is talking about behind their backs, very, very familiar, right? We all have family members that some other family members are talking about behind their backs. When, hey, come on. Don't, don't be holier than thou here, okay? I know that because especially when you come from a bigger family, right? It's like, oh, shoot, that one. Don't like. Yeah. Instead of talking about them behind their backs, let's be the one that reaches out to them and hear their side of the story. Amen. And this church will be a church that will always welcome whatever, whoever that walks in. Because this is a place where the living water flows. Not just physical water. After church, we have fellowship. Very good. Let's have some more fellowship. But the living water flows. And this living water is for everyone. Amen? Let's pray.